Good morning, everyone. I will take that. Something I probably shouldn't have to say to you or shouldn't say, but genuinely must confess to you, is that I, I actually find myself struggling and wondering whether there is really anybody who wants to become a Christian anymore. I can even have somebody come to church who's an unbeliever, and I have in the back of my head, oh, they, they probably won't stay. They probably won't believe. They'll probably go. Now, that is not the thing that you want to hear your pastor is thinking. But I confess it to you. And I ask you whether you sometimes might feel the same. This passage is exactly what I needed to hear this week. And if you feel any way the same, or if even you find yourself going on in your week with little or no concern for the salvation of others, then this is the passage you need to hear as well. And because, I suppose, because of the impact it's had on me, that really means at the end of this talk, I want to give you the opportunity to become a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. But look with me at the first verse. Leaving that place, it says. Now, what place? It's the place is Gennesaret, which is on the Sea of Galilee in the Israelite part. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law were in that place. Now, the Pharisees and teachers of the law are the Bible guys. And so you would expect in that place to have people who have faith, who believe, who see who Jesus is and agree and become followers of him. But that's exactly the opposite to what we get. We find there there's no faith. There is only criticism and just uh, and uh, judgment. Well, Jesus leaves that place and he goes to another place. And it's got here, it's the region of Tyre and Sidon. And Tyre and Sidon are still places you can go to today. They're in Lebanon, they're right on the coast of the Mediterranean. Beautiful. But what you don't expect to hear or find outside of Israel is faith in Israel's God. It's the last place. And particularly with this woman that's coming. It says there in verse 22, and you can't see it because the translators haven't put it there. There's a word before that word A. Your Bible might have it, but they keep chopping it out unhelpfully. It's the word behold. Behold, which really sort of means you are not going to believe what happens next. Behold a woman, but not just a woman, a Canaanite woman approaches them. 
Now, the Canaanites were the people who lived in Israel before Israel lived in Israel. They were the ancient arch enemies of the Israelite. And Matthew, using this term to describe this woman, Canaanite, shows that she is not just an outsider. She is the most outsider of outsiders. She's as outside as you can get, which is surprising because what we find on her lips are these words, Lord, son of David. She is declaring Jesus to be the king of Israel. But not only that, she is asking the Lord, the king of Israel, the king of her enemies, for help. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now, as we've, if you've read the Bible very much at all, you begin to expect people like this to come along to Jesus and the disciples to say, go away, and then Jesus to say, hey, no disciples, don't speak like that. Tell her to come to me. But it's exactly the opposite that happens in this story. Rather than turning to her, Jesus ignores her gives her the silent treatment. The disciples do say to her, uh, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us, which is not, I don't think, them saying just send her away, but the idea of do for her what she is asking so she gets out of our hair. She is becoming incessantly annoying to us. Jesus turns to them and turns to the disciples and says something really important that we are to see. He says there, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus is saying, I was sent first and foremost to Israel. Not, 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 not to these other people. Well, we don't know what the disciples thought about that because we haven't got time to think about it and neither does it seem they had time to think about it because the woman comes straight to Jesus. She kneels before him and she says, Lord, help me. And again... Jesus says something we don't expect. He says this, he replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now the children equals Israelites, dogs equals Gentiles, which is most of us, by the way. Dogs. Remember, Gentiles means any nation other than Israel. Uh, some, uh, there have been a lot of commentators try to rescue Jesus from him saying this. And they say, well, when he says dog, he means puppy. 
Oh, little puppy, come on. Is there anyone who doesn't like a puppy? Well, do you get that feel when you're reading this? It just sounds a bit confronting, doesn't it? Because it is. By using the term dog, Jesus is making clear the distinction between Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles, as I said, people other than Jews, were called dogs, and it is not a term of endearment. The dogs are those outside the kingdom. So you could say that this woman was a Canaanite and a Canaanite. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Whether we agree or not that he should have called her a dog, uh, she agrees. She says uh, to Jesus' comment that it is not right to take the bread of the children and throw it to the dogs. She says, yes, I agree, that is right. But she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now, this reply, Jesus loves. In Mark's version of this same story, it says this, Jesus saying, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And see, there's so much fuss about the previous statement about the dog that they, we forget to see that Matthew's pointing to that statement. For that statement, that statement that the woman says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. It's not saying, it's not Jesus saying, oh, gee, that was a good comeback. Oh, um, that you, you've defeated me with your logic. <laughs> no, she hasn't caught Jesus out with a clever reply. She has said exactly what he was looking for. And this reply is what our focus is to be. She is saying, the dogs don't sit at the table, but they still get to eat. She is saying the Gentiles might not be first in line, but they are next in line. She is saying salvation is from the Jews, but it's not only for the Jews. She is saying salvation is to the Jews, but it is also through the Jews. And this is exactly what the Old Testament expected. The king of Israel would not only be king of Israel, but would be king of all the nations, and people from all the nations would call the king of Israel their king. There is one great passage in the Old Testament that says exactly that. It's Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 23. It says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days that are coming... Ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you 
because we have heard that God is with you. It's begun in this woman. She has got hold. She has got her faith right, which is why Jesus says to her, you have got great faith. Which is in contrast, isn't it, to the previous place where the Bible guys had no faith and the disciple guys had little faith. Here this Canaanite woman has great faith. Now, it's interesting to know that Matthew has snuck in Gentiles all along in his story. In the genealogy of Jesus, he sneaks in these Gentiles. He has Gentiles visiting Jesus, one of the first to visit Jesus with the Magi from, Magi from the east coming in. He has in chapter 8 the centurion's son being, centurion's servant being healed. Centurion's son or servant? Anyway, Matthew 8 being healed. But that is a Gentile centurion, but it's on Israelite territory. But now he has taken literally the step out of the territory into Gentile territory and he is healing Gentiles in Gentile territory. And everything that follows in this passage flows from, that, from this story about this woman. So the, ve the very next verses in verses 29 to 31, we've got people, mute, crippled, lame, blind, being healed. But that's not new. It's not new that they're being healed. What is new is where they're being healed. In Gentile territory. And what is it they say? They praised the God of Israel. That's not something that an Israelite does. They praise God. Others praise the God of Israel. This is a picture of non-Israelites praising the Israelite God. And what follows in verses 32 to 38, uh, this feeding of the 4,000 is the same. Now, Jesus has already fed a whole bunch of people with a little bit of bread. We already know he can do that. Why does he have to show us he can do it again? Well, the point is not that we didn't know that he could do it. The point is not that he could do it, but where he is doing it. He is doing it again in Gentile territory. See what's happening? The bread of the children is overflowing to the nations. It's good to note in this story of the feeding of the 4,000 that our attention is being drawn to the number seven. Did you notice that? How many loaves were there? There were seven. How many loaves did Jesus take? Well, he took seven. Matthew goes to uh, detail to do that. Uh, let's have a look where it is. Uh, how many loaves do you have? Seven. He told the crowd to sit down. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when they had given thanks, he gave a broken, da 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 da. And how much was left? Seven basketfuls. An unnecessary seven is a seven that's being pointed out to us. Why seven? You might say, oh, is it the days of creation or something? Is it the complete thing? Well, it could be that. I think, however, there is another significant point to the number seven in the Bible. And it's interesting that Deuteronomy, ironically, chapter seven, <laughs> verse one says it. And so does Acts chapter 13, verse 19, that the seven nations uh, the, the nation that there were seven nations in the promised land before the Israelites came in. 
So the Israelites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, and later on came the Vegemites, but but they weren't there yet, so there was only seven. So you've all heard that before, and I tell it again. Isn't someone terrible who tells the same joke over and over? But you laugh because you humour me. Um, But here's the point, that the seven really represents the seven nations. So, uh, and one of those nations was Canaan, but uh, Canaanites, but the whole region was called Canaan, which is the promised land, is Canaan. And so what we have here is seven representing Canaan. Canaan here stands for all the nations. And in some sense, that one woman, that one woman Canaanite is standing for every Gentile. She stands for you. She stands for you. I can't help as well in this story of the feeding of the 4,000 see an echo of the Lord's Supper. Did you notice that? Jesus took the bread, gave thanks gave it to his disciples. That, that's the same language as the Lord's Supper language. And I think what we can see here is that here Jesus is giving, the, the bread of the children is flowing over to the nations. We can see that all the nations will share in this banquet of forgiveness and belonging. They'll share in this Lord's Supper. Well, what are we to get from today? just want to suggest three things. And the first thing is this, that Christ is for every nation. Salvation is from the Jews, but it is not only for the Jews. Um, Christianity is not a culturally, geographically limited faith. Uh, like um, Hinduism is for the Indians, the Indian people, and Buddhism is for the Chinese, and Islam is for the Arabs, and Judaism for the Jews, and Christianity for the Australians. No, 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 no. Jesus is for every nation. I, I have a friend who doesn't follow Jesus, doesn't believe in God, and yet calls themselves a Christian. Because they live in a Christian nation. That's not what we're talking about. The Bible says Jesus is for every nation and it, there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. So Christ is for every nation. The second point to take home today is that Christianity is therefore for your friends. Christianity is therefore for your family. Christianity is therefore for your workmates. Christianity is therefore for your neighbours, for the people that you meet by chance down the road, for the checkout chick or the checkout guy or whatever, the guy in the aisle, whatever it might be. Christianity has always been and continues to be the greatest growing religion in history. The nations have literally flooded in continually without stop. Nobody can stop them. 
So the least likely person that you think would ever become a believer is not out of God's reach. Believe it and pray for that person. Elizabeth Falk's report to parish council this week said that there is 1,830 children in, our, in the Camden Haven who are under 12 years old. We reach, on average, 15 to 20 of them each week. Plus the 40 at Kids Club. Oh, plus the SRE. Six, 682. That's a lot, but it's not all of them, is it? And what we ought to say is not, oh, we're not getting very many. No, we have to say, look how many more there are. What a harvest field. It's wonderful. But that's only the people under 12, not to mention the 15,195 who are over 12. We reach, on average, about 260 of them a week. That's you, by the way. <laughs> Look how many more there are. Now, I think too often we, when I say we, I mean me, shoot ourselves in the foot and begin to say things like, well, the ground is hard here and there's so many different distractions and people just don't want to know, care about God anymore. And that's probably true for some. But we need to realise that it's not true for all and there are plenty who are desperate to hear the words of life and hope from, about Jesus. There are people interested. Could you believe that? And there's people even seeking. And God brings them across our paths. God brings them into our church Not for us to say, oh, they probably won't be interested. Grumpy old pastor. We ought to show them Jesus. Because he's for them. And we want them to be for him. So Christ is for every nation. Christ is for your family. And thirdly, Christianity is for you. You can become a Christian today. The Canaanite woman shows us how. You agree. Ah, salvation does come from the Jews. The Jewish king is my king because he's king of the world. And what I need to do is kneel before him and say, Lord, help me. And you can do that. You can become a Christian today. Maybe you need to come back to Christ today. Eight o'clock this morning. Five people. Came forward. 9.30? Three people came forward. Here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to ask you to be brave. Uh, we're going to sing, so if you guys can jump up. We're going to sing the second song we sang again. And um, I'm just going to stand down there. And if you want to come to Christ today or come back to him, then just come and stand with me. That's all.